Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark Labusk here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. Career transitioning. Yes, those two words we hear a lot these days, particularly with what's gone on in the last few years. Today's episode's all about that. I've got an amazing human being, Jeanette Laffin, joining me today, who is going to share her story of career transition and the challenges that she's faced along the way, the dark days, the great days, and just her tools and tips on on how to face into career transitioning. Have a listen, take some notes. I reckon you're going to love this one. And um, be sure to check Jeanette out on LinkedIn, connect with her. And as she sort of says today in here, she might be someone who can come in and talk to your people about the secrets to career transitioning. We'll catch you at the end. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark Labusk talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Hey, I'm delighted today to be joined by Jeanette Laffin, who's the principal and licensed real estate agent for Nutrient Harcourts in Kilmore, a town about an hour and a bit out of Melbourne. Jeanette, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, it's, I'm really looking forward to this. I um, I know we've had a few conversations. We did some work recently with your team, but your story is an amazing one about career transition, and there are so many human beings at the moment. I can even say post-COVID or in COVID, but like, what am I going to do with myself? And I think they can learn a lot from you. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that a bit today, but I always start with this. I wonder if my listeners are starting to get the shits on with this one, actually. I always start with first impressions. And a little bit of background, you sold our house for us back in 2018. You get to go first. What were your first impressions of me back then? Be nice. No, I actually, I thought you were quite reserved, actually, like my when I think back to it. I think Alison sort of did more of the talking. I sort of knew vaguely what you did, but didn't really understand. But I found both you and Alison really good communicators, but probably much more reserved than what I know you to be now. There you go. Reserve. I don't think I've ever been called reserved before, which is terrific. Now, Alison did run the show and she does run the show because she does all that stuff so bloody well. But I, I reckon I did take a bit of a backward step in that. I, I reckon I got to do all the things around the house that needed to be spruced up a little bit. And Alison was- You're probably just worn out from uh, the sale preparations. There you go. But um, no, it was a good, it was a very good outcome for us. So for me, the words I've got written down, warm- professional and really determined, like your determination. And I've I've learned more about that since because, you know, I, I sort of had a good sense of what you were doing. Um, you said you didn't really know what I was up to at the time, but you just have this real determination to get shit done. And I just, re- I remember that. And look, as I said, we had a very good, we had a good experience. We had a good outcome and a pretty bloody quick outcome too, as I remember. Mm, yeah, I think it only took a couple of weeks, but you've done a very good job of presenting a house and that always helps us agents. There you go. So there's a little tip for anyone at the moment looking to sell their house, make sure you present it well. And if you're in the in your, if you're in the northern areas of Victoria or sort of more central areas, you need to have a chat to Jeanette as well because she's always looking to sell people's houses for them. Hey, um, career transitioning. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that. But again, so the listeners can get to know a bit more about the fact that you just didn't turn up one day as a real estate agent. Give us a bit of your backstory here, Jeanette, on where you grew up. What were some of the things that shaped you up earlier that maybe you hadn't thought much about that has made you sort of become, I reckon, a bit of a a poster child for career transitioning? So I grew up in a, a, what was then a very little town in Beveridge, uh, just north of Melbourne. 
uh, on a, a small farm. Dad sort of did the farm part-time but always had a corporate sort of role. Went to the little primary school there that at the time I was there had 36 kids in the whole school. And then I won a scholarship down to Penley and Essendon Grammar School, so down to Pegs, which I must admit I hated. I actually hated that I had two lives. So I'd get on the train you know, every morning and go off to school in Melbourne and then come back to Little Beveridge. And I just felt like a little fish in a massive pond when I first started down at that school. I honestly think the culture shock of that took me about four years to get used to. Did really well. And look, you know, it's interesting. Two of my friends that also went through pegs at the same time as me are now real estate agents as well. So I don't know if there's something in that, but I, I just, I look back on my school years. And although I at the time probably didn't enjoy it that much, there was always a very strong message to us that we could do whatever we wanted to do in life if we worked hard enough. So that sort of messaging really got through to me. And I probably, I look back now and I think I was really privileged to be able to go to such a great school. So the the message, that message of do you can do whatever you want was coming from the teachers and that at the school. Yeah, I just think the whole school ethos at the time. And, you know, I remember this, this was the early 80s and, you know, not so long before that women were expected to give up work when they started a family. Like we're, we're kind of that first wave of women that it was okay to go and have a career. And most of our mothers wouldn't wouldn't have had that opportunity. So... Um, I think good on the school for actually really having that strong message. Yeah, I like that. I remember my mum told me, I didn't I didn't even know this till she told me that she had to give up work when she got married. Yeah, yeah. And then so, you know, it wasn't that like it's, it, it sounds like the dark ages, but in reality it was back in the like 70s. Yeah, it's, it's strange. So into secondary school and then it was, what was next after that? I did really well in VCE, much better than I thought I would. That's me being the, not having probably enough confidence in myself. I actually got into medicine at Melbourne Uni and I was there for six months and I quickly realised that it really wasn't for me. And so I then became the medical school dropout. I went and worked for a while. I remember working at Laminex Industries in Tullaroo and a couple of other sort of admin jobs. And then mum said to me, you need to go back to uni. I don't care what you do, pick a course. You need to go back to uni. So I ended up enrolling at Deakin and did a degree in journalism and literary studies. From there, we worked in book publishing, got that job kind of through connections, I guess, but worked for them for quite a while. So I ended up being like a publishing executive, I guess. I would do a lot of the production management and also eventually got the job of casting actors to read audio books. So it was a really interesting job. Uh, and sort of worked my way through there. It was only a small family company, but just really motivated people that ran a really good business. So I was, again, really lucky that I ended up around good people. Because yeah. I think the people you're around help to shape you and your attitudes. Uh, so then I started family, started working for them part-time, partly from home. So I was kind of ahead of my time and they were ahead of their time really in that respect because I was able to work for them about for about five years when the kids were young and just going to the office once a week. So that was great. Then I had a really bad horse riding accident back in 2009 and I was out of out of work for months actually. Then I went and worked for a state MP and then I think, I can't remember if I left there or she didn't get re-elected. I can't actually remember now. But I had a friend through Pony Club that was working in real estate here in the office in Kilmore and said, we need an admin person, will you come and help us? And I said, I don't do admin. I'm like a marketing, um, you know, publishing person. I don't do admin. She goes, oh, come on, we'll let you work around school hours and stuff. So I took the job actually at the time thinking I was taking a backward step to fit around the kids. And I do recall, do recall one day 
having one of our managers come in and refer to the role as a mum role because we were there to look after everyone else. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got a family at home. I'm a mum at home. I don't need to be a mum at work as well. I remember picking up the milk one day because well, they'd run out of milk and no one seemed capable of getting a carton of milk and it was my job to go and pick up the mail and pick up some milk. And I thought, oh, my God, Jeanette, just accept your career's over. I know you did really well at school and you've got a uni degree, but, you know, look, this is your life now. So huh. for me, I felt like a real backward step. But then I started helping out the real estate department and I quickly kind of saw that I thought I could be good at that. So I really created an opportunity for myself. I just started doing, I got my certificate, started doing a few, a bit of part-time sales and part-time admin work for them. And then it just kind of grew until the sales just took over and became full-time. So I really was by accident. Honestly, I did not have this burning ambition to be a real estate agent. I didn't even really know what real estate agents did. But I was able to identify that real estate is really a, it's a people industry. Yeah. It's really not about real estate. It's about people. So going back to that moment of you're saying it's an accident and look, there's, there can be some truth in that, but things don't always happen accidentally. That moment where you were going down to get the milk, I think this is a great story, by the way, and it's like, <laughs> hang on a minute, Your, my career is over. I'm now running down to get the milk and the, and, and the mail and all the other bits and pieces. <laughs> there are two things that can happen in that spot there, Jeanette. You can go, that's it. And then you can go over and turn up to the pity party and like be, yes. woe is me. Or you can do what you did, which is why I think people will relate to this. It's not about an accident. What was it in you at the time where you went, no, stuff this, I'm going to I'm gonna step into this other space? What, what was going on in your I mindset? Think a, I think a lot of it had to do with having that accident because I, I, I'm actually lucky to be walking. It was a really serious accident. I actually had a horse roll on top of me and you know, crushed my pelvis. You know, I was on a walking frame for three months. Like, they didn't even, wouldn't even give me one with wheels. That's how bad I was. Like, I had to have that like, well, one you picked up and then walked to it and then, you know, picked up and moved it forward again. Like, it was, I was, it was, I was really badly injured. So I got through that and, you know, did all the rehab and everything. And I think that it taught me two things. It made me realize I was a lot stronger than I gave myself credit for, like a lot stronger mentally. And also, I realized that life can be gone in a flash and life's short. And you just need to embrace every opportunity. And I guess really when I look back on what I've done in real estate, I've just embraced every opportunity and run with it. Yeah, I love that. That's a great um, mindset to have. It's like I'm sure there are others listening going, you know, maybe they're waiting for their moment or their accident or whatever it is and then they'll get some better perspective. My advice to those people is don't wait, you know, go go and have a crack at it. So when you were shifting through your career from – medical school dropout to <laughs> what came next and then you were you got into the printing space and there was the executive thing and then it was like hey now you're working in a mum job that's derogatory at the, oh, the very very least that is that terrible. wouldn't have been said by some privileged white middle-aged male would it oh never no i wouldn't no, have thought so such a thing. i don't know <laughs> there must have been a moment there for you when because we do get a bit wedded, I think, to our titles and the hierarchy and the places that we get to in, along the way. Was there a point there where you were hearing voices, either hearing voices yourself or voices of others going, what the bloody hell are you doing? Oh, absolutely. And I was probably one of those people that was attached to titles. And so that I had to get over that as well. Uh, and I think I was probably one of those people that I, my self-identity was very much tied up in what I did. And so I really cut all that away. That's interesting. How do you 
I'm going to make an assumption. You just don't cut it away. One afternoon you go, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to cut all that out. I'm going to forget all that stuff. Did this happen over time? Yeah. I think yeah, over time you realize that none of that crap's important. Mm. It's how you show up day to day and how you relate to people and, and you get what you've achieved when you get to the end of the day. I guess it's important. Like the, the label and all that stuff doesn't matter. Because that's one of the things I noticed when I did some work with you and your team not long back, the small team that you've got there in Kilmore is you wouldn't walk into your place and go, I know you're the principal, but if I didn't know that, I wouldn't walk in going, well, that she must be the principal because she's walking around like she's important. You, that's not your go, is it? Um, absolutely not. And you know, never, you'll never hear me refer to it as my team or me. It's always our team and us. Yeah. Because I couldn't do what I do and I wouldn't have got where I am without you know the team that I've had behind me. And there's been various team members over the journey. But no, no one in real estate can achieve what I have on their own. Mm. Some may be listening to this rather foolishly thinking, what a great linear line, what great progress that Jeanette's made. I'm sure it, it sounds like it just happened very, very nicely, very smooth sailing <laughs> all the way through. And I think no. sometimes people get a bit romanced by, oh, look at how successful Jeanette is or how successful Mark is or whatever. And they go, well, it didn't happen overnight. And people call people no. an overnight success. So the very worst days and the very best days for you as you were making the career transition, we've heard the mum job story. Um, the mum and the milk were probably the worst days. Yep, yep. <laughs> what, what about some of the – any other ones where you were a bit like, holy shit, is this going to work? Am I really doing the right thing? Um, you said you had family as well, so you've got a, yes, you've got a family. Yes. So what, what were some of the other days where you were like, oh, shit? So, so probably the, one of the scariest points that I remember was I, I'd always been on a salary. So right through my career, always been salary-based. And then I got to the point where I went commission. And it was, I was terrified because I thought, what if I don't sell anything? You know, what if I don't have any income? And, and then there was another part of me that thought, okay, so people have seen me do medicine, not, that hasn't worked out, and then I've done publishing and then I've worked for the MP and now I'm doing real estate. Like if I fail at real estate, people are just going to think I'm one of these people that flips from one job to the other and never succeeds at anything. That was the voice in my head. And I'm mm. sure people weren't thinking that, but that's the little voice was telling me that's what they were. Did anyone ever say that to you? No. That's no. just it. That was all in my head. And yep. so in the early days, I was driven by a fear of failure. Mm. You know, and in the early, early days of, of sales too, you're very adrenalized. So you get adrenalized when a deal comes together and when one falls apart, you, you know, like down depths of despair and then you back up on a high because you're adrenalized again because you've got a deal together. And so for the first couple of years, it's like this big roller coaster. And then over time, when you become more confident in your skills and confident that you can ride out the rough times and it just all smooths out. That's not to say you don't enjoy it, but you don't get the massive highs and lows like you do when you first start. It sounds a bit like, and I talk about this a bit, you spent a lot of time in your bad news filing cabinet early on. It was like oh my goodness, pulling yes. out stories of, of yes. woe for Jeanette. Yeah, and I, I do remember a couple of times driving home when you know I'd had a couple of deals fall over and things hadn't gone to plan. And one thing that was in my favour, I was always very open to coaching and mindset coaching. So you know, and I've picked things up that would just resonate with me. So I remember just driving home one day with this mantra, successful people get up one more time. Successful people get up one more time. And so I think that's one of the keys to success. You've got to believe in yourself and you've got to be prepared to push through when things don't go to plan. Mm. What about the very, very best days? What, what, what are some of the best days in that transition that you can you can share? Look, I, I, I can, yeah. I'm going to throw a couple out there because 
And I think this is great that you do this. The amount of times I've seen you on LinkedIn getting awards is like incredible for someone who had that those stories going on that how oh, shit am I ever going to be able to make it? You've been hugely successful. Yeah. What are some of the real very best days? Oh gosh, well like last year getting the you know number one agent for the whole of Harcourts Victoria, like against all of Metro Melbourne, to think that you know me from Little Kilmore that's got a population of nine thousand people, we, you know our team could do that. That was just such a thrill to bring that trophy back. I see awards as a, a way to, for our team to share success and for me to acknowledge all the contributions of the whole team, really. It's, you know, I, whenever I get up on that stage, I, I always make a, a point in my speech of saying, really, I'm just the figurehead for this. And there's a lot of people that deserve to be here as well that have contributed to this. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't just, I, I want to make sure here, I'm not just focusing on the awards what were some of the other very best days obviously other things happen along the way that build up to that thing happening what were some of the other things yeah. along the way that uh, one I remember one of the early sales that I had I, I was selling for a lady in Wallen and you know she had some challenges in her life and just had a little house down there and I remember when we sat and did the um, appraisal meeting she's you know we sort of all agreed we agreed that you know around 445 would be a good result for the property and I remember getting her 460 and she actually cried. Yeah. Like that 15, that extra 15,000 meant so much to her and made, it was going to make such a difference to her life. I thought, wow, like I've made such a difference. But yeah. for a lot of people, 15 grand isn't that much money, but for her it was really important. And so that that kind of made me realise very early on that everybody has individual circumstances and for, for some people what might not seem like a lot of money is an absolute fortune to other people. And I, I just think that's so rewarding to know that you've made such a difference to someone's life. Yeah, and um, for those that are listening in, real estate agents are good people, see? They make differences to people's lives. Now, what have you learned about yourself that's really surprised you through this whole time of, the, you know, the transitioning of the career? And there's been, as you said, there's been a few transitions, but yes. I don't think that story about, oh, what's what's she going to do next? I don't think that's going to play <laughs> out now, by the way. Um, what, what's really surprised you about you? Uh, I, through this whole real estate journey, because one thing about real estate, it is very focused on personal improvement and, you know, being the best you can be. I realized that for a lot of my life, I'd actually placed limits on myself without even realizing that they were there. And so one of the things I actually went and did the landmark forum, which you've probably heard of. Yep. Sometimes it gets a bad rap. If you Google it, it sounds like it's a cult. For me, I actually found it really beneficial because that's when I really, really hit home to me that that I kind of had this vision of what I thought I could achieve and there were all these unconscious limits that I'd placed there that I didn't even know they were there. And so the 12 months after I did Landmark, I doubled the business. Wow. And so what's, what's surprised you then? Is it that you there was something in you that you didn't know was there or regardless of whether it's about sales or whatever, if you look back in another 10 years' time and you went, I didn't really see that in myself, there was a bit mm. about belief. Was there anything else there? Um, probably another thing that I did learn too was that I was too much of a perfectionist. Oh. So I got bogged down in the detail of stuff too much instead of just getting on and just even if it wasn't perfect, just getting it done. I and like so that. I think that probably held me back a lot. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm really pleased mm -hmm. that that's uh, come up because no one that I ever speak to about perfectionism has done well out of it. No. No. 
And, and I think that maybe comes back to it like a control thing that you're just wanting to, to control every minute outcome of everything. And it, it just it limits what you can actually achieve. Which is why being accidentally successful, maybe how you put it, which I, I don't know that that's 100% correct. There'll be some of it correct. Maybe that's not a bad way to be, Jeanette. Then maybe the person who's trying to plan out by the minute, the hour of the day on what their career is going to look like. Like, I don't mind people setting goals and things like that, but if they get so caught up in, I need to be here by this time, what sort of advice would you give them? Look, I, I am a goal setter. So I, every year in January, I write a list of goals for myself for the year. But I, I think you can get too caught up in planning stuff and the planning and the thinking doesn't get stuff done, taking action and doing stuff does. Yep. I just yep. do something. So I think the key is not so much in and in the goals, it's in identifying the, the action steps that are needed to get there. I like it. So it sort of leads me into um, you sharing some of your, the lived experience through this process and of the career transition. When I met you back when you were selling our house and I said, you know, professional, determined, warm, and then we had a chat, you know, a couple of months ago at a function that we went to. And you sort of were sharing a bit more about that's why I wanted to get you on here. The other word that came to mind for me was courage. You're, you're the courage that you've shown to go and do what you've done. What are some simple and practical tips you could give to the listeners around finding that courage to embrace and not fear this career transition? Because many are thinking about it right now, but I bet they're yeah. shit frightened of it. Yes. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is staying mentally on top of your game. So you know, you know when you get a cold or, or you know you haven't eaten or slept well for you know a week and you you know and then you start to think that everything's too much of a problem and every little problem becomes bigger than it really is. So for me, staying mentally and physically well and strong, I think it's been a big factor in my success. That little voice, you know, that little voice that comes into your head when the alarm goes off at quarter to six in the morning for you to go to gym, and that little voice goes. You don't need to go today. It's okay to stay in bed, stay in the gym, it's warm here. That same little voice can actually affect every part of your day. So my advice is to conquer it from the start. Yep. Get onto it from the start and get out, do what you need to do. And it, and for me, being physically active, it makes a big difference to how strong I feel mentally. Nice. And if you're not feeling strong mentally and not feeling confident and well in yourself, you, you're not. You, it's really hard to have the courage to get out of your comfort zone. Mm. And and the second thing? The second thing I think is just self-belief and just believing you can do it. I mean, you've got to be rational and not taking ridiculous risks about stuff. But if you're finding that you're coming up with these voices and reasons why you shouldn't do something or, you know, there's fear there about making that transition, I think what you need to do is drill down and, and identify what those fears actually are. Are they actually real and practical? And what's the worst thing that could happen? That's probably my mantra. What is the worst thing that could possibly happen if I do that? And my other big thing is when things go down and things go wrong, I apply the five-year rule. Am I going to even remember this in five years? And is it going to affect my life in five years? And most invariably the answer is no. Great advice. So um, staying on top of your game physically and mentally, the self-belief and the like that five-year rule. It's like, so we get caught up in the moment. Like we, we talk about yeah. this a bit where, you know, someone leaves a dish or a, a, a glass on the bench above the dishwasher and 
I lose my shit over that. And people are like, is that gonna? Will you even remember that in five minutes? M- most likely not. But we in the, in the moment, you know, things things fall apart. You talked about you know real estate being a people game, and and I think this is a bit of the essence of of the work I try and do. We've got to get back to the human side of things first. So, someone who's looking to transition in their career. I know one of the things I'll say is, but I'm not qualified. And there's a bit of merit to that too, Jeanette. I'm not I'm not yeah, qualified. Yeah. I don't have the experience because I haven't worked in real estate or in publishing, whatever it might have been. But yeah. then there's the transferable skills, which is the human stuff. So what are some of those amazingly human transferable skills? If you think right back to when you're at school through to now that you've carried through that have helped you to transition on, on a bit of a bumpy road, I'll say, because it's not a linear road, but yeah. what have those things been for you, if you can recall? Well, probably self-discipline is one of them because I just remember at school having really disciplined study habits and being really consistent in how I completed homework and did that sort of stuff. So that's probably one thing, consistency, just showing up every day. I always had, I think I was always a good communicator. I was very shy at school. Like if you spoke to people that I went to school with, I, like this real estate gig has given me way more confidence than I would have had back then. But at the same time, I always probably had good communication skills. Yep. And just a love of learning really. Because any any new journey that you go on, any new career path you want to take, there's going to be learnings and coachings involved. So my strongest advice is just go in with an open mind and be coachable. Be open to learning new things. Get some good mentors around you because when I look back to the mentors I've had over my career, they've made a massive difference. And I'm, I'm sure you're repaying the favour now with some people in the organisation and doing the same thing with mentoring? Absolutely. I've actually got a work experience student here this week. There you go. So I always, you know, despite the fact that in my brain I'm going, oh, my God, what, what tasks am I going to find? This is just another thing to organise. I always say yes because I just like giving back. Yeah. So. What's something that you'd like to be better at then? What is one thing at the moment where you go, not, not to be perfect at it, well, you are talking about perfection before, but it's just the one little part here that you go, geez, I'd like to be a bit better at that. Probably taking days off is one. <laughs> but public speaking, I'd actually love to be a more confident public speaker. You're doing it right here. Oh, look, I'm okay in this forum. It's probably my journalism background, you know, training coming to the fore, but for me to stand up in front of a you know a room full of people is way out of my comfort zone. And again, I've got, I've just trained myself now to say, even though that voice inside my head goes, you know, you don't like it, you know, you're not that good at that. I've, I've just trained myself to always say yes to that opportunity. Good, because it, that that creates more opportunities, doesn't? It, I'm sure. It does. You always learn something, or you you'll meet new people from you know. There's always something to learn. I'm also glad you said taking a few more days off because if you hadn't said that one, I was going to bring that up because we had that chat not long back. And how's that going for you? Are you, are you finding that you've been able to – because that little voice will be also saying to you, you can't have a day off because yes. you're going to miss something. How are you quietening that voice at the moment if you are? Yeah. So, look, no, things are going okay. So, so just for some background, I actually had a, a long-standing team member leave just before Christmas. And so for the first sort of probably two months of this year, I was pretty much running on my own. And so I just had to do it. I knew it wasn't long-term and I just had to get through it until I got some new team members on. So now that I've got them on board and everyone's sort of working well together, um, now I have managed to actually have some time off. I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that. because, And that's one of the things I loved about your team, how in, encouraging they were to you to say, give yourself a bit of downtime as well. And I think that's a, that's a sign of a 
of an environment where people feel really safe to say what needs to be said? And look, I, you know, I was really, when I first started in real estate, I was running really hard, probably too hard. And I did hit a wall at, at one stage, but I was lucky I had a manager at the time that was really big on making sure that we had time off because you've got to go and sharpen the saw. It's like cutting down a tree with a blunt saw if you don't take some time off and just relax and freshen up your brain. And I remember him saying to me one day, because I, I said, oh, I can't take time off, I've got to do this, this, and this. He goes, what do you reckon would happen if, you know, Jeanette laughed and walked out the front here and uh, some quarry truck came over and bowled you over and, you know, what would happen? And I went, oh, I don't know. He goes, oh, I can tell you what would happen. Three days later, there'd be a funeral. We'd all go and have a bit of a cry, have, go over and have a cup of tea and a, and a sandwich afterwards. And then next week, life would go back to normal here. They'd get someone else in here and life would go on. And I went, oh, really? <laughs> it's a bit depressing. <laughs> But it's not any point, really, that, like, we think we're so important in the big scheme of things, but you've got to look after yourself. I think it's depressing but true, and I think you said we think we're important. A lot of that can be tied back to that title, which is then the reluctance to go, what do you mean, if I don't have that fancy title anymore, but I'm going to go out and try something, what do you mean I'm going to go from being an executive to in a mum job? There's this stupidity about taking a sideways movement. I think it's crazy. Like yes. a sideways movement in the eyes of someone may be that first step to progression in the eyes of somebody else, which is what I think your journey has been. It's like people from outside or the voice could be saying, what are you doing? But you, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, I've probably learned along the way as well. Yeah. So, you know, and I've had a few extra little steps in there as in, you know, when I first came on, I was a commission agent working for, at the time, Rural Co., and then in 2017, I actually started my own business and then started contracting to them. And that's how they, I started growing a team. So that was that sort of progression that got me to where I am now. Um, and that was scary as well. Like, you know, for my own business and all the overheads and costs that come with that and thinking, oh, God, what if I don't keep selling stuff? How am I going to pay for all of this? So you've got to be prepared to take the risks. But again, I sat down and said and thought, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen here? And when I really looked at it and analysed it and I thought, it's not that bad. Yeah. Just have a crack. But then again, that voice comes back, doesn't it? I think the voice is useful at times because you want to be able to say to it when you prove it wrong, it's not true. Yes. I like that. Hey, um, I call it simply practically human because I have a view that human beings try and make the simple pretty complicated, even though, you know, there are things that are complex and complicated. Yeah. You may not agree with this. I, I, I why do you think human beings try to overcomplicate stuff that's simple? I think it's probably because we're looking for excuses of why things aren't going to work. Nice. Mm. Really? I had someone point out to me one day that oh, I have the sort of brain that does think about all the complications before the simplicities of things. Yeah. Because I tend to analyse things too closely. And I thought, yeah, they're actually right. Like it was actually really good that they said that to me because then I stopped kind of looking at all the complexities. It's like when I went to start my own business, I was looking at, you know, well, I've got to pay this professional indemnity and all these work covers and I've got a, a extra paperwork to do and I won't have to do wages. And like I thought about all of that. And then when I actually got into it, it's actually, it's, it's simple. Mm. Everything's simple once you know how to do it. Yep. And you're used to doing it. I've never heard that one about excuses. I hear a lot of people say we do it because we want to look clever and we come up with some sort of way of splitting the atom. But this idea that we complicate it to create excuses at the end that 
I think that would be one way people won't transition, whether it's in their career mm. or in their life. They won't do that because they'll make it so frigging complex and complicated that they'll just give up. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about, you know, thinking about making a career transition, I mean, ultimately the worst thing that can happen is that you stay in a job that you're not enjoying, that you feel like you're not growing in, that you're stagnating in. So what 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 could be worse than that? Not a lot. You know, even if things don't work out exactly how you think they're going to, you're still going to have new experiences, you're going to learn new skills, you're going to meet new people. So I just think the worst thing is staying doing something that you're not enjoying. I've met a lot of people that are um, that have got really fancy titles and are miserably rich. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's something about that whole idea that, like, I think it's nice when people have got a means to be able to enjoy life and do things like that. But there's also that piece where they lose themselves because they get so caught up in the identity of what they were doing, even though they might want to change to some other and transition to something else, they won't do that. So they'll just stay miserable. And I think yeah. that misery starts to then infect others. And, and do you think a lot of it too is is like that income stability and being scared about losing that? Absolutely it is. Losing that, financial stability. I think there's a massive piece for that around provider and whatever and I don't think that's necessarily a gender-based thing for me anymore it's like mm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm providing for my family or for myself or what could be my community or whatever it might be so I think that's a huge piece because I used to think of freedom as the freedom came when I earned enough money to be able to go and do things I wanted to do I never was able to do all the things I wanted to do but freedom to me today is more about the choice to do things when I want to do them and it's not necessarily about the dollars it's more about I'm actually going to make a choice to play golf with Alison on Friday this week. Yeah, I think as you get older, the, the the money aspect of it becomes less important. It's more about lifestyle. But my strong advice would be to anyone: don't don't make career moves based on income or financial decisions, because that definitely wasn't my motivation for getting into real estate. In fact, I was very naive about income in real estate and what what successful real estate agents actually earn. I had no idea. I went into this thinking that if I could make $80,000 a year, I'd be happy with that. So, so financial stuff had no no factor in motivating me to get into real estate. It, it was more about wanting to achieve something. I really genuinely enjoyed the job and helping people. Yep. And so I think that that's helped me. I think the fact that it wasn't tied into to any kind of income-related motivation. It sort of works against needing to know exactly everything and be a perfectionist and all the things that I – getting all your ducks in a row. It's like I'm just yes. walking into this and it. I know I've got something that I can offer and you, you offered it well. If people want to connect with you – now, here's a, here's a little idea for people who are listening. If you want to every now and again get someone to come in, you're doing a lunch and learn with your people or you, you need someone to come and do a bit of a keynote, you could – Jeanette might be your person here to come and talk about career transition. So that's one thing. People might want to connect with you to get you to come and talk to their people, which will help you to overcome your public speaking fear. It will. get me out of my comfort zone. There's one thing. Where can people (laughs) connect with you, Jeanette? What would be best? Okay, so I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. There's not a lot of personal content there. I need to work on that. If you looked at that, it's very real estate-based probably. But, yeah, all my contact details are there. And I do enjoy getting out and doing that kind of stuff. I've gone over to South Australia to my team over there a couple of times and done some little workshops with them. Um, So I find it really rewarding. It's just it gets me out of my comfort zone, Mark. And that's what we want. That's, how's, how's your comfort zone been on this podcast today? Well, it's good. I was, you know, I was nervous at the start, but then once you get chatting and you're very good at just engaging and, yeah, it just becomes more like a conversation. 
Oh, I love that. Maybe not as reserved as I was back in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you were just letting Alison do her thing. <laughs> don't, don't make excuses for my, my – I was letting her do a thing. I'm like, you just go and do what you've got to do. I remember her bringing me one day going, they've got a final offer, and I'm like, what are you even asking me for? Just go and do what you've been doing the whole way through and, and sign <laughs> off on it. So thank you for helping us move from Wallen down to uh, – and now we're right. down in Brunswick West. Thanks for coming on. This has been a really cool conversation from, you know, medical student to all the things you've done. I think there's some great lessons in here for others who are looking to career transition. So thanks, Jeanette. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I really love it when I, um, when I get to have a conversation with someone who I've sort of known from a distance, I'm going to say, like Jeanette sold our house for us, as we said, but I really only knew Jeanette as the real estate agent and not as the human being. And, um, We'd had some conversations recently, which really opened up to, what I said, professional, determined and warm, just a very courageous human being. And, and, and what she's been able to achieve, not just in the workplace, but outside of that is pretty phenomenal with a, with a great attitude around staying mentally on top of a game, really believing in herself and, and having that five-year rule, which I loved, is if, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't worry about it. The changes she's had to make as she's gone from one career to the next the story about the mum job, which really I know grates on her, that some of those darker days, the, the great days of helping people and, you know, using those transferable skills that she spoke about and, and being helpful for others. I think there were some really great messages in that, that if you are looking to transition, don't get too caught up in your technical expertise. It's the transferable skills, the human skills you'll bring that are going to help you really well to get through and do that. That voice that kept saying to her, what if you don't do this? What if this doesn't happen? The voices from other people, being a fish in a, ma- in a massive pond, taking a backward step, all of these things that she was hearing, you know, go and get the milk for us. We've run out of milk. But she just saw something in herself. And um, I guess she had that goal and she had a bit of a dream to get somewhere and it's the proof's in the pudding now. So I really, really enjoyed the conversation. If you loved it, why not rate it five stars and uh, leave us a little review about what you loved about the episode. Maybe you're in this career transition phase yourself and it's been helpful. If you liked it and you know someone else who's looking to career transition, share it with them. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now.